Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of tragedy from our mouths. I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. I am here with... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. And, you know, uh, I, I don't often throw a different word into that uh, that opening, except this week I feel like I kind of have to because uh, top of the episode here, we're talking about a film that has been much uh, anticipated around these parts. Uh, one of the Coen brothers, not the Coen brothers together. No. Maybe we'll address that in a little bit. Um, but, nah. <laughs> but before we even get into addressing anything more in the realm of film... I feel like Joe has something that he wants to introduce to us. I do. I brought us a delicious beer, very apropos. Uh, Last week, we inducted Martin House into the Five Timers Club. Ooh, illustrious. Martin House Brewing. I heard from their brewmaster. Yeah. He has an acceptance speech. (laughs) Does he really? Yes. He said, that's awesome. I don't have any crazy words to say or anything. Just keep drinking beer and having fun. Yeah, right on. I like so, this guy. So when we drink like five beers from one brewery, and this is our, uh, we're in our upper 300s, you know, um, we induct you into the Five Timers Club. So guess what's happening tonight, two weeks in a row. We're going to induct one more right now. Real Ale Brewing out of Blanco, Texas. Uh, one of the breweries I've said several times on the show was one of my big footpath stones in my craft beer drinking here in texas but not one that you pass over and never come back to one that you want to keep coming no no in fact one of their um variety ipa 12 packs normally is is in my that's right that's your that's your go-to it's got the squirt gun ipa and the boombox 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 is a good one but tonight we're not drinking an ipa we're drinking a scotch ale it is called real heavy let me read the back to you please let me read the website to you. <laughs> uh, a scotch ale brewed by metal aficionados could be called nothing else but real heavy. Our take on the wee heavy style is an imposing malt forward brew weighing in at 9.3 ABV. It's brewed with English crystal malt, English hop, English hops, and fermented with our house English ale yeast. Rich brown color, toffee accented malt character. Bang your head. With a couple pints of real heavy, 9.3 ABV. Welcome, Real Ale, to the Five Timers Club. Bang your head. Wow. That's, oh man. The nose on that is just like the perfect malty scotch ale. Yeah. It's nothing to lose your head over yet, David, is it? (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) So, Carlos, why the heck are we be drinking a scotch ale tonight? Um... Oh, yeah, because we're talking about uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Right. Scottish <laughs> Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, now, um, we, you know, as mentioned, this is uh, Joel Cohen's solo directorial debut. Am I yes, right about yeah. that? Um, the First Tragedy of Macbeth. For a feature feature. Yeah. Feature it's, film, you know, yeah. usually the brothers, Joel and Ethan, together. This time, Joel is riding solo. Um, for for a light romp, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, yeah. So it's it's the tragedy of Macbeth, starring none other than Denzel Washington himself, and um, the legend. Know, it's cl- clearly an adaptation 
of William Shakespeare. I don't know if you've ever heard of Billy Shakespeare before, but right. you know, he was a guy that wrote some words quite a while ago. Um, the Bard. The Bard. Uh, one of his uh, shortest tragedies that he wrote. I think you're right. Um, yeah. Which is probably probably one of the reasons why so many of us have been assigned reading it in uh, in high school English class. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and um, yeah, you know, it's about this guy named Macbeth. He uh, is very successful on the battlefield, um, is given this prophecy by these three witches that he's going to become the Thane of Cawdor, and then he's going to be the King of Scotland, and that no uh, no one born of woman can defeat him, and that uh, his reign will last until the shrubs move and descend upon the castle. Something whenever. that seemingly could never Something happen. Something that seemingly could never happen. Um, and so, yeah, it's about this guy who ascends to power and then becomes very paranoid and becomes a tyrant. Um, and then, you know, we kind of see how his rule plays out, uh, Mm -hmm. from there. What does power Um, do? What does power do to somebody? Um, Lady Macbeth, a very pivotal character in the story played by, uh, Francis McDormand, who is married to Joel or Ethan? Joel, right? Married to the director, yeah, Joel. Joel, yeah. right? I, I knew she was married to a Cullen. Yes, yes. Just and sure who has been in many of the brothers' films? Many of the brothers' yeah. films. She's been in many films that we love. Nomadland. Nomadland. I mean, the, we could go on and on just listing movies that she's been sure. in that we liked or loved. Um, but you know, you've also got Corey Hawkins in here. Who you do? Unfortunately. I saw for the first time in Straight Outta Compton, and I can only ever see him as Doc. I mean, not only is that right? Has, but when Dr. I see Dre him, I think Doctor Dre immediately. I get over it eventually. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, he was in In the Heights. We talked about that earlier this year. Um, so St- Stephen Roots in this Stephen. Oh, okay, he's great. Look, if we're getting into it like that, let's get into it. I nothing has ever excited me as much as seeing Steven Root do Shakespeare. Yeah. I had no idea he was in this movie. And as he's soon as he showed up, I was like, yeah, he's what barely the in it. Fuck? But... And I, I loved every sec, all 45 seconds he was mm-hmm. on screen. I was just over the moon watching yeah. him do that. I mean, you know, yeah. we see, I mean, yeah. we've seen him do a lot of things. I mean, he was in Have another, the Coens used him before. Yes. 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 Uh, oh brother. Oh brother. Yeah. is great. And oh brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we've seen him do a lot of things before, you know, he has had some dramatic turns. He, he's obviously great in comedies. I mean, great office space. He's great and fucking great in Barry. Um, he was in a movie from earlier this year, a comedy that I liked a lot, uh, that we'll probably talk about in a future episode. Um, and I don't know to see somebody like that who we know from yeah. an HBO comedy it's not a sitcom, but you know, yeah. something to that effect. Office space, yeah. all these things to show up doing fucking Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coen Brothers was are incredible great when it comes to. Casting. Well, and he was great comic relief too. Yeah, yeah. Can the, we contextualize where we are on Shakespeare prior to watching this? I'm not. This is our first time reviewing, for, uh, of course, Shakespeare adaptation. But I mean, like, I, I find that. People that get deep into Shakespeare, much like we get deep into beer or deep into cinema, um, are a special kind of person. And I am not one of those people. I, I, I appreciate it. I completely understand it and get it. If a noteworthy Shakespeare-based film 
comes onto the screen, I will go see it. If, mm-hmm. if, if it's out and we're supposed to, then I will definitely go. What about you guys? Are y'all like, oh shit, yeah, fucking a Shakespeare. We got oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I have a. I, I think I'm in a very similar uh-huh. position to you, Joe. I have great respect for Shakespeare. Um, the Shakespeare that I have encountered in my life, I see value in it, but it is not something that organically draws me to it. And the, and part of it is the language, yeah. which th- that has not changed. I mean, this film isn't updating the film isn't updating the play yeah. by changing that he is being respectful to the language i believe he did change a couple tenses in some lines about um her not bearing children right partly because of their age because in the play often it's it's said more in present tense like i haven't given you a child as as if it's something that still could happen but here kind of acknowledging no she's postmenopausal this isn't they're both they're both older than yeah they're in their 60s yeah expect yeah. right um but other than that like he's done nothing to really change the language here. in her 60s yeah yeah well, I so. you think back to i mean I she, she was, was the 80s in the in blood simple i mean that's 40 years ago so now Jeez. yeah okay. um so, so yeah, I mean, not much has been done there. What this film, I think, does in terms of interpreting Shakespeare is more in the visual, right? Sure. It's it's much more in the the way that this film is shot, which is absolutely stunning. But but Shakespeare alone as a draw, probably not quite enough for me. In in a lot of cases, I mean, I have skipped over many Shakespeare mm-hmm. adaptations over the years. Not all of them. I'll see some. Carlos, are you flipping through Shakespeare by the fire when you're alone at the house? Uh, no, but I did really love the Shakespeare that I read in high school. Um, it I, wasn't an arm twist. No, well, no. I mean, I don't know. I I certainly had some teachers that would kind of whether they should have or not uh almost make fun of you for getting cliff notes versions of the plays and just be like well it's in english what do you need it translated for you speak english don't you You know stuff like that and uh you know i'm a i have been described as confrontational in my past and so when someone says something like that to me i almost take it as a challenge and so i'm like okay well i'm just gonna fucking read them shits like you know i I, yeah yeah, you're right i can speak english and so and and there and i he's funny he's a funny guy like you know a lot of those plays are funny and uh, if you can get into the zone of the delivery of the words, then 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 I mean, yeah. dude can well, turn a phrase once clearly. You f- he once knows you, what he's doing when he's writing down words. Yeah, once you find the rhythm of it, which I think is one of the things that like and with Gwyneth Paltrow as your muse, uh, I mean, Jesus. wouldn't anyone <laughs> be able to probably? Do I am that? honestly furious that you just brought that. I apologize. Shit show of okay, a movie. Okay, edit that I, out. I, Fucking so, hate Shakespeare. So you get a, and just well, after we, we were just coming off of some some kind of words affectionate about words Paltrow, about Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow from Heartache, from Heartache but yeah. yeah. But no, I, I I you know not to get on too much of a tangent, but it is kind of a shame that those Cliff Notes versions exist because it does kind of do you a disservice by not letting you find that rhythm. It is challenging to get into it, yeah. yeah. But once you find it, then it becomes kind of like it's almost like. Um, you know, watching a movie that's part of a franchise you're not familiar with, if you can enter the world, if you can buy into the world of a fantastical movie, 
then you can go with it and like, you know, suspend your disbelief kind of thing, but with more of like an understanding perspective. Anyway. Um, Cohen brother Cohen, and Cohen the trailer. Brother. Denzel. The moment I saw the trailer. Cohen brother Denzel. Denzel, done. Francis McDormand, and, and clearly the visual look, David, as you said earlier, the visual look that they're going for here, stark black and white and minimal, what it appeared to be in the trailer, minimal set. Yeah. And then... Uh, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way happens. And I was sold. I was like, yep, I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do this one. Okay, so this movie's top five of the year, for sure, hands down. We'll see. We'll uh, see. For uh, you, he's saying for No, him. done. That's locked. It's locked. <laughs> uh, Titan can't edge it out, perhaps? Titan might find itself, and I don't have my whole top five. Uh-huh. But this is one of yeah, five. Yeah, but these are. The, so. uh, see, I, I can't. I can't even speak that boldly. Uh, at almost about any film at this point, this I mo- need to do my tabulations, but I can't guarantee that this is going to end up in, in the top five. As much as I do it's love this film, crazy good. Denzel is electric. The fucking entire cast around him is fantastic. The visuals of it are stunning mesmerizing i mean it is one of the most beautiful films that i have ever seen full stop like oh it is every every frame in this film just about i'm watching this movie like how the fuck did you do this yeah like the way that the shit works on a soundstage as i understand it yes the way it works with the fog you know characters coming in and out the vultures coming in and Mm -hmm. i mean it's just and on top of that i mean it is very uh, straightforward story-wise, but like, and so even though the language can be a barrier, it's still such an understandable story. And if you can find yourself in that kind of archaic speech and go with it and like just concede that upon first watch, you're going to understand the major plot points, but maybe not all the details Mm. and you can just go with it and live in this stark. I mean, the architecture is almost brutalist. It's, I mean, it's just so everything's definitely huge and like, yeah, it's very clean in a way, but it's also very, um, expressionist and Gothic in the way it's lit. It's in the way that it's framed. Um, you know, it, it, because you get some straight on shots where you can see like everything is like kind of lined up uh, as it should be. I mean, these aren't like, you know, canted angle structures that we're looking at. Right. But the way that the camera frames things at times, the the angle it takes the on it. Yes. shots and stuff. I mean, it's... And, and the stark lighting that they use in, in certain shots. Like it becomes almost like geometric patterns on yeah. the screen at, at times, especially some of those longer shots where you're just like you know, it, it can almost be disorienting at times. Like, yeah. what is this space that I'm supposed to be seeing this character in? And then there are moments where literally the space, there is some sort of change that goes on, like as it, when the water fills that room where he's sitting in. Loved it. it. Loved um, it. Assuming that was shot in reverse when the water was like receding back into mm. the grout. Yeah. I'm yeah. imagining they shot that backward. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's... You said first viewing, Carlos. I think this is a film that demands a second viewing. I... I almost ran it in the store all day today. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get to work. I'm going to just put it on yeah. and let it go. Well, I will, you know, th- we've said it before and I'll we'll def- own the criteria. I'll definitely say it on this one. This is, I feel like, 
I did myself a disservice by not finding a way to see this in the theater. I this, knew we were going to talk about this. Th- I felt this, the same way. This one, um, you know, I loved watching it at home on a Saturday morning with, with just on my couch. The, the convenience factor was great and the fact that it just showed up on the Apple. Su- the subtitles needed them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I left them. the subtitles on. I did. Um, but then there was that part of me that's like, you know, but if I was sitting in the theater right now and I, I was totally locked in, I wouldn't have them, but I also probably probably wouldn't need them as much because mm-hmm. I think I would be that much more locked in on the images yeah. and just able to kind of take in the beauty of them. So, you know, I, I felt a little bit like robbed, especially because I've seen friends who live in bigger markets who've had access to it, talking about how much they've enjoyed seeing this film on the big screen. So I do, it, I do feel it, like at some point I need to try to find a way to, to see this one. Well, what's going to happen is it's going to show up in March or late February as part of like a here are all the we're going to screen all the films that were nominated for best picture yeah, or something like yeah, that Century, like we'll get Cinemark some kind of that. Alamo do, has done it in they, years past versions, I, they yeah. they screwed me on Phantom Thread uh, That's right. one year because of that I had to watch it at AMC and then a month later they showed it at Alamo uh, so I'm hoping that we get some kind of uh reissue of it in that way yeah you know, like, uh, later release but yeah. i i just can't the reason i i don't i don't know if it's my favorite film of the year because it is like challenging in a way where like you know i've talked about this before on the podcast that i think like a remarkably great like transcendent film is a film that's beautifully shot perfectly acted well cast well the soundtrack's incredible there's depth to the story and the meaning and it's entertaining all at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. that's a cinematic work of art to be able to combine all of those things into one at the same time. And I don't know if I would describe this movie as entertaining necessarily because it is kind of slow. It's a lot of people talking. There's a lot of long shots. It is stunning to look at, but it is easy to kind of, almost get like dizzy watching not dizzy but like kind of out of it barrage of different types of images that just never stops and just the the pace at which people speak and like it's almost it's hypnotic at times yeah that's what i'm trying to say he's walking down the hall and the footsteps are an important part of the as he's going to commit the murder or just quote unquote discover the murder of the king i I think it's just yeah, he's, he's no. It's to commit. It's okay. to commit. Uh, um, which so, is a great scene so, when he comes back and he murders them to cover his track. I mean, yeah, you know, so 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 much of that. I understand that it was uh, it is a, it is a truncated or abridged version of the main text. It only yeah, runs simplified. an hour forty five, and I yeah. think that. I mean, he set himself up for generations to see this film because did y'all ever watch a Shakespeare movie on the you know, when they wheel in the VHS card yeah, back in times. my day? Yeah. This will be the one that teachers show because they'll know that the imagery in the film will capture the students. Is if this the movie text rated R? Not. It is. It for is. what reason? The 
spoiler and decapitation perhaps even I though mean, it's just a flash yeah no it, way no that's nudity. soul yes yeah, the soul reason i think, that, that I think child the murder off, and yeah, the child gets thrown off the the scheming the plotting i i mean i think it's more just about like the the treatment of human life by the characters and they, i mean i've but I've, it is I've, you I've know been, i've been seeing this circulating like all over the internet but the scene of the three witches where two of them are just a reflection oh of the yeah water is yeah. just like well when i saw that i was like okay we haven't said her name done. but Catherine hunter who plays uh the witches, the witches. is outstanding i mean so she good. and she's done other work before on screen though i i mean and i and i've even seen some of it but she's She's never stood out to me, but this is, I mean, there's, there's the scene there at the water that's obviously pretty great, um, in its own way, but the, but the opening there where you get that really close shot of her all twisted and contorted and kind of, I mean, yeah. th- that's, that's that is something she's else. She's got a thumb, the thumb of a sailor. That's right. Yes. Yeah. She's drawing in the sand with a severed And apparently thumb. she's known for that, like having okay. like a very strange physicality and, you know, she's I wasn't been sure mostly she, a stage actor. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was, if, cause I was, I was not familiar with her by name or face or anything, but I kind of assumed that they like just casted a contortionist no, she's a big the, stage Shakespeare on stage many many years. Like she's okay. she's a Shakespearean actor, yeah. But then yeah, as as the as the film went on, especially the scene where the water comes up and all that stuff, I was like, "Oh, she's fucking acting her ass off right now." Mm-hmm. I had actually forgotten by that point that she did all that contortioning stuff because I was just so captivated by her performance that I yeah. like, didn't think about what could have been considered, you know, kind of gimmicky if that character didn't go on to do so much more than just contort in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know. I just think that visually the movie is so fucking good, right? Like mm-hmm. you could watch it with the fucking sound off, you know what I mean? And like when I, uh, quasi directed the first sword collector music video, this is the look that I was going for that I couldn't, get to happen because, because you didn't have access to a big sound stage and, the <laughs> well, it, no, and it was, people it was, to construct sets and to it was do the a lights cinematographer of Buster Scruggs well no it wasn't I mean obviously I wouldn't think that on a $500 budget we yeah. could achieve but that but you, you wanted something but like close, this. but close yeah. to it and I mean there are a lot of reasons why that didn't happen mostly a not super collaborative like work environment um, but it I mean this is like I don't know. The look of it is something that I've dreamed of before. It's just yeah. like my fantasy <laughs> aesthetic, you know, yeah. of just like so stark, so contrasted. Well, and it, then on top of that, yeah. as if that wasn't enough, you've got fucking Denzel Washington, arguably one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. Playing. I mean, come he, on. No, he's great. And, 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 and he's God, he's so good. Got, got some wonderful scenes in there. The look of this film is, I mean, it's we keep talking about it, but I think you know one final thing I want to say is what's amazing is how it evoked so many other things like we we've mentioned film noir, German expressionism, um, gothic horror. I mean, like there's elements of these things in there, and yet it it isn't any one of those things, and it's very mm-hmm. much doing its own thing. And even if it doesn't look like any other Shakespeare film or film in general, that I can think of right off the top of my head. There's something very theatrical about it that actually it does seem like... We've talked before about 
adapting plays for film, right? Mm-hmm. And how sometimes they end up feeling a lot like plays, and they, and it Ma doesn't Rainey's feel like Big Bottom. Yes, like that that was Bla- one that we Ma got Rainey's hung up Black on. Bottom, right? Uh, Black Bottom, yeah, yeah. Marnie's Black Bottom. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but apologies. But here, Sorry, you know, I think what's amazing is Cohen actually does something that reminds me that this is a play at times, but it doesn't feel like it's trapping it, and it doesn't feel like it's confining it, and so it because it's taking it into this other language of the the visuals of cinema while still keeping it tethered to the to the sort of theatrical nature of it. I don't know. It's amazing what he pulls off here. It's amazing. I say that, and then I'll set up my one little criticism of this. I did not feel the chemistry between Lady Macbeth and Macbeth in the way that I have seen it in other productions, honestly. like, And I found myself wondering if that was an actual flaw or something intentional in this film. It felt because, intentional. Right, but why? Why do I... Why, in the past, I've thought of that, like, the those the relationship between those two characters as being so essential. It is. It's still essential sure. in this film. But and I didn't the feel there was... kind of spurs him to... Right. Uh, yes. But I didn't feel the same level of passion between them that I have in other cases. But Frances McDormand, as someone who is slowly losing her mind, was incredible. Yeah, no, she, you yeah know. no, their scenes apart were now, great. Now that you mention it, David, I, I tend to agree with that assessment. Um, you know, Carlos, you said earlier that the, one of the themes of the work, and, and certainly presented in this film, is, uh, would you say power, going after power, Power, ambition. Yeah, it, but it's also when you when you put that ambition ahead of your own moral center. Yeah, which people often do, and, of course. And when he does that, you it, by the taunting and teasing of his masculinity by Lady Macbeth, mm-hmm. um, and then to see the, once you start killing to be king. You're going to have to kill and kill and kill. You're going to have to keep killing because there's going to be people coming after that throne. You're going to have to tie up the loose ends. Yeah, you're always going to feel... If if that's how you achieved your station, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're always going to feel like someone's about to do that to you. Right. Yeah. And that you are going to have to keep protecting your station via the same means. But it sets up fantastic ways for people to be killed and you know and and for hunts and murders and revenge and war and it's all there Mm -hmm. i like the economy of the kind of truncated work here yeah yeah well because it's just it's focusing on the core it makes it of the story which is makes it cinematic i'm sure there are corrupting power and ambition i mean that's what the movies and, and i think that's why the you know seeming lack of chemistry between Macbeth and Lady Macbeth doesn't quite bother me all that much is because it seems like you have two people that are more concerned with power and stature and their own ambitions than they are necessarily anything else. Like Macbeth doesn't ever seem in this film to be like a particularly caring person. No. Or a loving person. And Lady Macbeth doesn't really ever strike me as that either. They strike me as people that are trying to, you know, wield a certain degree of power if possible and presented with this opportunity to do so. Um, And so their relationship worked for me. 
I ha- I can't think of any other adaptations I've seen of this film. Honestly, I do. I am now after having seen this pretty curious about the Michael Fassbender one, mm-hmm. which I wanted to, I remember wanting to see when it came out and never had the opportunity to do so. And then there's an Orson Welles one. There's a Kurosawa one. I know there's the Orson Welles one. I can, right. You know. Throne of blood. Um, yeah. But yeah, that never really struck me. I, I also have one criticism of this movie. Okay. It is not that. Um, I see no reason why Sun shouldn't have soundtracked this movie. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong, David. Tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that they couldn't have. I'm just going to tell you. Can that you I, imagine? I think I think Joel Cohen's aesthetic is is not one that would, uh, dude, that he would allow that play any Sun record behind <laughs> well, this movie, that... and it fits perfectly. Yeah, no, that I I don't disagree. Like the look of the film and the sound of the music would would work really well together. Oh, God, what what Sword Collector was booked? No, <laughs> no, there, the Sword Collector is no son. You got you we're guys not as don't, we're not as droney. You don't throb like that. You no. know, we don't make people. I, I, vomit. I thought that the score of the film was pretty remarkable. It is very it is very good. Carter Burwell. I, I, I was know. trying to purposefully tune into it from time to time because mm-hmm. oftentimes like a score kind of fades away. Yeah. It's providing a, a sensual notion that's not beating you over the head, but here it was it was it was it was, it was great. This is a good this no, this the, movie is a bit of a masterpiece. Will it be on my top five? Wait a few weeks and find out. This look, the score is fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from Carter Burwell's work in this because I mm-hmm. have found all of his Cohen collaborations to be very satisfying, and I think he's a very talented composer. But I saw a photo of the two members of Sun in their cloaks holding guitars mm-hmm. in the same kind of visual style yeah. as this movie. And I it instantly clicked in my brain like, oh shit, a Doom drone metal soundtrack to this movie would have been the hardest shit of all time. <laughs> of all time. I would have lost my mind. Maybe there's still something to be done with the text, I'll re- Carlos. I'll rescore it. Yeah. And the, the, the rescored version. I'll rescore it with just... Do it chopped and screwed with uh, Sun-O. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so... This movie's in my top five. Y'all are pussyfooting around about it, even though it's going to be in your top fives. Uh, is this beer in your top five of any uh, top five Scottish ales? Top five. This is the year breweries? we saw Mortal Kombat, Carlos. Anything could happen in my top five. <laughs> was that in 2021? Yes, sir. It You're was. lying. Nope. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, so, okay, so I've got th- two of my top five worked out already. I love, and I've talked about it on the show, I think I brought it to the show once before, the Scotch Ale that is a seasonal release from Bell's Brewing. It's their Christmas Ale. It's a Scotch yes, Ale. You, yeah, I think you do. I love it. that beer. I buy six packs of it every single year. Um, so when I fell you in buy, love, several you six buy several six-packs okay, okay, okay. a year for myself. Whenever I got into that beer, I remember doing a Scotch Ale dive, and I remember having this beer, because in our market, there's not a ton of Scotch Ales on the shelves, and this no. one kind of stays there. It's a bomber size from Real Ale. It's always available where we live. Well, the, the weather's finally gotten a little cooler mm-hmm. down here. Um, it, we, we had the warmest 
warmest December since 1889 down here in yeah. South, South Texas. Um, but January has brought us a little bit of cooler weather. And with the weather cooler like this, that's exactly when I want a beer like this real heavy. Um, which maybe speaks to why the, the scotch ales aren't as common sure. in our parts. Um, yeah. Because this is like, to me, one of those quintessential when it's cold outside and I want something that kind of feels warming, like the maltiness here really works. Right. If it, And it's made its malt forward. There's, there's, well, it's, ca- and, and it's like that caramely malt. Yes. That yeah. has like a sweetness to it, uh-huh. but it's not cloying. I mean, the Scotch ales are easy to take for granted. I remember there was a Scottish bar. Um, we used, Aaron and I used to go to in Chicago when we were living there and they had a few different, you know, Bellhaven, and they, but they had their like wee heavy, and the, and so you could get like there was probably five to seven different sure. on tap offerings that were versions you could of do Scotch a flight ales. and have a Scotch ale sampling, and it was fantastic. And and there in the cold weather, it was it was something that was a regular uh, Friday nights, especially they would do uh, all you could eat fish and chips. I wonder if there's Duke of Perth. I wonder if it's still around. I got to look that up. Hey, they're um, doing all you can eat fish and chips on there. Oh, it's fantastic. Look at my flight right now with peas. With peas. Ooh, um, wow. <laughs> You don't like peas? I fucking hate peas. Oh man, you and Aaron are gonna have some words. All right, um, but 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 <laughs> what this is, what, this dr- is not the first time. Well, I feel I, like I mean, <laughs> there are plenty of things. Peas that, are a great, great vegetable. Okay, mid, or legume is that it best? Yeah, Duke of Perth is closed on Mondays. It's not open right now, but it'll be open tomorrow at oh, five p.m. All right, I'm going up there in March. I might, I might have to make going up a, there in March. Uh, I got a conference. I'm gonna, but it's. If I go, I'm going to try to. And you're going to bring us back a lot of because this is making me think of how beautiful those times were, especially when it was cold and you'd walk in to the warm pub Mm -hmm. and get yourself a pint. In my mid twenties, late twenties, maybe twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, it matters. Yeah, I feel it was it was a great uh, great time to be drinking Scotch ale in the winter. And here, with it being a little bit cooler, this is timed just perfectly. Thank it you, is, Joe, for bringing this. It's a it's a six dollar price tag bomber, and I find that I, if you gave me a choice to drink this or that Bell's Christmas Ale Scotch Ale, mm-hmm. I would choose that Bell's every single time. It is a cleaner. This is this this has got a big muddiness to it that I'm not quite hmm. enjoying. I don't know if that is a Scotch Ale trait because I don't know as much about Scotch Ale. I'll be honest with everybody that I wish that I did, but when I did that deep dive into the handful of options available to me, I remember this not being one of my favorites, and it has not grown on me since then. That's very interesting. But everyone knows how much I love real ale brewing. So when you're listening and you're big inclusion into our Five Timers Club this week, please don't get your feelings hurt too badly. Well, well I, sh- I mean, I'm going to stomp all over everything you just said because right. it's fucking wrong. And <laughs> good. This beer is good. I really yeah, like it. Set really the record like straight. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, let me get another sip while y'all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, think I, I don't think there's any in there. I, I'm not. I'm okay. I'm also not a, a aficionado on this style. In fact, if there is any style of beer. Any major style of beer, I suppose. The Vienna Pilsner is maybe a little niche to really right. put it in this category. But any major style of beer that any beer lover should be familiar with, this is definitely at the bottom of my list as far as familiarity is concerned. I've had a, I've had the Scotch Ale that 903 does. 
Um, I think it's literally just called We Heavy yeah. Scotch Ale. Um, we had it here. We've had it on the show before. And that's it, I think. Mm. I can't. Founders does one. They do one, but I don't think I've had that one. Yeah. Um, at least not that I can remember. So definitely not wildly familiar with it. So I can't say like how this one compares to others that I've had. Sure. But as far as just a beer in general is concerned, uh, where I normally fault an IPA for its maltiness, I'm, I will, I will praise this one for it because mm-hmm. like David said, it is very much that caramel. Well, and it's, t- it's total kind of style appropriate here. Like yeah, the problem with the IPA being malty is that, okay, but I ordered an IPA to tell, yeah. you know, like it, it, this is truth in advertising. If you're getting a Scotch ale, Scottish ale. But even with the IPA, I don't like the flavor when it's malty, regardless of what style of beer it is. You can blind taste test mm. me and I just find it odd. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of the other flavors going on that Maybe. the context of it yeah. all together doesn't work. But in this situation, it works very well because that's kind of the star of the show in yeah. this well, the, you know, the hops are very much taking a backseat. If anything, you're just getting a little bit of that kind of hint of bitterness in there. A slight bitterness. To, to yeah. kind of... To know, balance. Yeah, balance it out. But there's no, like, there's not really a grassiness or a floralness or that, you know, you don't get any of those yeah, it's hop pro- elements. It's probably that combination there. of things that makes it off-putting. Yeah. Whereas, think- whereas this one, it's caramel, it's toffee, it's a light sweetness. Yeah. A light bitterness. It's I mean, a very well like, balanced. If beer. you like pastry stouts and you don't like a heavier Scottish ale like this, I don't know what to tell you. Like, what? What? You're you're fooling yourself. Like, if you if you can sit back and drink this, um, this is just as satisfying. At nine point three percent, this is just as satisfying as a pastry stout. I think in in many regards, and and fits a similar kind of niche within your your drinking if you let it. I would agree. One hundred percent. I think it was the perfect pairing. So yeah, even film. if the person who who brought it and paired it does not think it was maybe the perfect, I think he achieved some some good here for us tonight. Yeah, no tragedy in this half of the episode. No, other than the tragedy that was intended by uh, yes, other than the one that we filmmaker. saw coming. I don't know. Maybe there could potentially be some tragedy in the second half. I don't. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to. We'll be probing the human condition for sure. And in case you're, <laughs> we'll pro- I've been probed. Once in case you're wondering what other beers, what other breweries are in the Five Timers Club, let's go over that during after hours tonight. Yes, there is, and a- I hear that we may even be. No, 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 no spoilers. We're- okay, okay. Uh, uh, we well. are a spoiler podcast, but in this case, in this <laughs> we're case, not going to spoil ourselves. Yeah, I think I think there's uh, something like eleven or twelve breweries that have we've had four times that are awaiting that prestigious mm. fifth tasting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that on the afters. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, hopefully uh, they don't lose their heads about it. But uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast is where you can listen to that after hours content. $5 a month gets you bonus episode every single week. Um, all that kind of stuff. So Listen to that and uh, stick around to listen to us talk about yet another film and drink yet another beer when we return.
All right, what a riveting. I mean, that was a, that was a scorching first had. half. Uh, <laughs> when when you come off of something that hot, you really need something to cool you down. Carlos, I think you got something for us. I do. This is what a monumentous occasion that not only is this our three hundred. And 99th beer. That's but it a big is, deal. That's a big deal. Next week, 400th beer. 400. But also, it is the second entry into yep. the Five Timers Club Tonight. of the episode. So Stunning. Uh, Statistics inc- are fun, aren't inc- they? Incredible, yeah. Spreadsheets, man. Come on. <laughs> okay, so this is from Untitled Art. Welcome to the Five Timers Club. Uh, and this is their Blackberry Cobbler a la mode. It's 6.5% ABV, and it is a Berliner Weiss style ale with blackberry puree, mm. pie crust, Ooh, and cinnamon. Oh. Brewed and canned in... Um, why did I even... How do you say the name of this? Wanaki? Wanaki? Okay. Uh, Wisconsin artwork by Stephanie Heyman. She, she must do all their artwork, right? It's, they're pretty I think consistent. it's rotating Okay. People. I guess they always just go with abstract. Uh, yeah, it's always yeah, kind of yeah. abstract. But it's it's always great. Alternate. Always you, you know their stuff uh, when you see it on the shelf. Yeah, uh, when th- we think about the five beers that we've had from Untitled Art, I mean, clearly that intro into our market mm-hmm. really elevated their number, the number <laughs> of times that we drank them because oh, it sure. was available. And and they have such great. Uh, you know, flavor combinations. They, they don't trying. miss very often. Very yeah. rarely. Yeah. We did. I was it the first one we had from them. Was the was the uh, banana one that had? Uh, that was pretty early. Um, yeah. I, be, I I know that one threw you off a little just because you don't like that flavor in a beer. Uh, yeah, not a big banana yeah. guy. But other than that, I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're consistently winning. And the nose on this, this smells like consistently winning to me. Blackberry cobbler. Oof. Thanks for bringing this, Man. Carlos. Yes, it's been um, burning a hole in my fridge because I've been wanting to drink it so bad, but yeah. I had to wait. Just like all these great films landing on Apple mm-hmm. TV mm-hmm. Plus uh, are uh, burning a hole in my streaming platform uh, <laughs> time. I mean, it, it really does seem like things have been dropping one after the other. You know, we, we've been trying to get through as many of these great sort of... Uh, upper tier releases that are that are you know pitched at the uh the awards you know sure. clearly these are these are films that uh the people putting them out believe could be in that kind of contention and indeed this second film that we're looking at from apple plus this week is swan song with mahershala ali particularly his performance being um celebrated you know it was up for a golden globe which i know we kind of laughed about how that uh, all went down but nonetheless that is one of those indicators that okay maybe he'll be up for some awards later on in the season with the oscars or maybe even some critics lists uh, he is an oscar winning actor that's true this film if you don't mind me synopsizing a little bit of it Mm. here it's it's it is a film where the rules of it are very important because this is a science fiction film. Uh-huh. It is a... Here we go with the fucking rules again, <laughs> Yeah, I almost did. I, it's, I don't want that to be our five-letter word around here, but the rules of this film are that a secret medical procedure has been perfected where you can clone yourself... And the way that the doctor that has perfected this thing is using it is to give yourself a substitution in the event that you have a terminal illness. Right. It's a new technology. They've Mm -hmm. just perfected it. 
it's only being deployed in this very limited way. It's, right. he, he's potentially our protagonist is going to be the third, right? Right. Yes. Aquafina was the second. Right. Yeah, yeah she did, was. Did we find out about the first? Did I? Did I? No. No. Okay. It's not really it's mentioned, just left but we do know at the end of the film, and we're a spoiler podcast, of course, that the fourth is about to arrive to begin the, this same procedure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, in these rules of all of this, um, Mahershala Ali. Is got a terminal illness. It, it, seizures are involved and headaches are involved. We don't know much more than that. He is. It's got to be a brain tumor, right? Seems like, like it. That, but yeah. The, yeah, it's seizures that are getting him. So that would make he sense. He is married. They have a son. His wife is expecting. And he is has the decision. And it's, it's the devil's decision. I can reveal to my family that I have got a terminal illness and I will not be here very long. And they're going to have to live with me through my dying days. And, and yeah. then without and me. And then be without me, yeah. Or I can swap with my clone who has all of my memories, all of my mannerisms, looks just like me with the exception of a lone freckle on a hand that they use to identify the two of them. And he has decided to pursue this prior to the film beginning. And then the entire film really is the emotional drama of him because... Is he going to be able to go through Is he going to be able to do this? And the doctor says, you have an out. At all times, you can say, no, we're not going to do it. But once we do it, it is done. Yeah. And then the rules are that after the clone is created and after his memories are implanted, when he's ready to launch, so to speak, you get to go visit your family one more time, say your goodbyes without saying goodbyes, and then come back and then... You'll die in our facility, along with Aquafina, who's still here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I'm laughing. I'm just, I'm imagining if they had written the dialogue that way. You're sure. going to have to die with Aquafina here. But you get, you <laughs> but know, your that's clone the deal. now is taken <laughs> over. Yeah. The, oh, she'd be a great person to spend the last few months with. Yeah. yeah. She just had a good sense of humor in the film, didn't she? Um, no joke. Uh, yeah. Uh, but now this clone will, will be healthy and mm. take on from here. Yeah. A uh, gorgeous movie, exquisitely shot cinematography. Gave me very ex machina vibes. Yes, absolutely. Secluded house in the woods yeah. with the uh, high high end technology going. Yes, that yeah. that was exactly the vibe that I was getting. Which I loved ex machina. Yeah, no, I mean it's a great looking film. They, the, in terms of the production design, all the choices they've made. It's a very, you know, it is a future world, not that far off from our own, but um, in terms of the socioeconomic milieu we're in, right, these are very sort of upper middle class people, very, uh, you know, modern design house mm-hmm. um, that the facility he goes to is very modern. It's very, it, it's just a very clean and sort of uh Clinical in a good, I mean, in a way that supports the story, right? This is a story about sort of medical ethics, which, you know, is, is sort of dry fodder, I guess, for, or, you know, for when, when you typically think of, uh, of, of film material. But, it, you know, the look of the film kind of matches some of the themes of the film, I think, in an interesting way. Yeah, very sleek, interesting design, uh, future um, driverless cars and... Uh, AI that sells you stuff on the train and right. the, what what cell phones would would potentially evolve to where there is no 
phone in your pocket. It's all happening in space in front of you. Yeah. You know, and I always... Kind of minority report, ask. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. I raise an eyebrow at that stuff because we have seen so many times that like cutting edge technology presented in film today, when we watch it again in 20 years, is a joke. Uh, it didn't didn't kind of land like that um, from tw- from two thousand one to Total Recall, but uh, but that's a small point. It's not not even worth looking at because it is so sleek, it is so beautiful, and you know really all of the fi- pieces of of good filmmaking I think are here um, from that our art direction and design to these performances, and I think you know Mr. Ali's performance here is as top notch as we can always really usually expect from him. Yeah, he's a really good actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, and now Naomi Harris is 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 pretty good too. I mean, I'm sure you all are familiar with her uh, role in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I know we're big <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean fans here. Yeah, um, won the Academy Award for that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was nominated. She didn't win it. Um, she, but you know, she's good. In, she's good in things. Uh, she's good oh, in yeah. this. Twenty eight days later. Twenty eight days know, later. I, I mean, she she's had some great uh, roles over the but years. She's Moon, been in a lot. Moonlight for Moonlight, sure. Yeah. With Mahershala with Ali, Mahershala they Ali. had a couple great scenes in that film. At least yeah. one that I can think yeah. of. And I believe this is. Um, isn't this uh, the director's debut film? Yes, this is feature. His debut he feature. He, a short he actually. Film. Yeah. Right, had an Oscar-winning short right. a few years back, uh, okay. and I think that helped launch him into being a viable feature. That'll do it. Director. That'll do it. Yeah. So, I I liked this movie a lot, um, and for a few reasons. I mean, there was there's this plot point introduced that doesn't amount to anything ultimately, but I think that's the reason that it's there in an interesting way. Normally, you know, if, if you introduce a plot line or some plot device or something, you know, it's there to do something in the narrative. It's there to move the story along mm-hmm. or to create conflict, uh, to create conflict, to resolve conflict, um, you know, things like that. And there is this, there's this bit where, uh, the clone Jack is what they call him until he enters the world, uh, can only be differentiated from Cameron, Mahershala Ali's character by a freckle on his hand. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens with the freckle. Yeah. Right. And I, I was, when they first introduced that, I was getting very spinning top inception vibes from it. Well, right. Like this is going to be something that this is we gonna, linger on right at the last moment. Yes. To remind us. Yes. And so when he's like, you know, the clone goes to replace Cameron, who's going to die. Uh, because his wife looks the clone in the face and says, I couldn't stand to lose you. I mean, it's like, what kind of position are you into? Anyway, yeah. I'll get there in a second. And, you know, as he's like back at the retreat place or what, or the clinic or whatever that's in the, the woods, the Cameron that's still there where he's supposed to die, I was expecting him to look at his hand and see the freckle or something. And <laughs> there to be some kind of twist. Cause that's what you expect from sci-fi like this, right? It's yeah, kind yeah. of like the formula, but one of the things that I found so interesting about this movie is that it does the exact opposite of like literally every sci-fi movie ever. The technology works perfectly. Yeah, no, it there's, does there's exactly no the what right. it's supposed to do. Like, they kind of lead a, and 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 it's so it's so interesting because it's a such a human sci-fi movie. Oh, very much in a way that you don't normally see. Because really, the things that we see that are 
kind of red herrings of the technology going wrong or so you, you know and you also kind of suspect that something's going to go wrong with the clone like uh, the maybe they don't have it worked out as well as they thought you know shit like that happens all the time in sci-fi movies and so you kind of are expecting these things that you come the clone to gets into place and, and goes on a murderous rampage yeah well i mean yeah i mean what it shows us is him freaking out on his kid right well, he, you know and yeah. throwing the like what looks like Game a nintendo switch whatever, yeah. but you yeah. know is some analog for that at the wall which never happened right and it's just a dream, yeah. But yeah. W- but what's so interesting about that is that this, the movie's not about like, oh, what if um, Judgment Day comes and the machines turn on us or whatever. It's about like what the advancement of technology does to the human psyche and where it puts us in this like evolutionary like cycle of things. Mm-hmm. And like, there were a couple and, of those kind of false conflict points. The other one was when. Cameron 1.0 and Cameron 2.0 get into like a, a an altercation. They're pushing each other yeah. around. They're shoving each other around. These two guys aren't going to get along, and that's going to be some kind of tension or conflict. Yeah, they apologize to yeah, one another. Yeah, because they understand what they, they are. One, I mean, you know, it's, right. it's funny. The conflict not funny, here but. is within our original Cameron, the the sick yeah. man's yeah. mind, as he makes this decision to do this or not do this. And I guess... Yeah, no, it, it's it's full of... It, what you guys are saying is right. I mean, this, this film was very... Um, I liked it a lot. I think it is doing some things that sci-fi does all the time, but it's also doing some pretty unique things. And it, what it is, it's locking in on this kind of like multi-layered ethical conundrum of, you know, when technology allows you to do something like this, what is, you know, what what is your, what's your agency here in all of this? Like the family is never given a choice to decide. I mean, that's part of the rules that Joe was talking about early on. Like it prevents him from being able to make a decision with those who also it's going to affect potentially. Can I push pause on you and sure. talk about that real quick? The reason for that is because <laughs> if... The wife or son know that this is going on. They say it won't work. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a reason. It couldn't. Yeah, it couldn't. Yeah. There's no way. Okay, so so that's why they have to be kept in I the dark. I get it. So, right. okay. so you've set up this thing that... Resume. ...means that <laughs> all of the power is in this one person's hands, right? Cameron. And he has to make this decision. And is that decision a selfish one because he is not letting his family in on it? Or is it an inherently selfless one because he's essentially saying that... I myself, this consciousness can go away as long as I'm replaced by something that approximates it well enough that they're going to believe that that's still me. Um, you know, what what is and that family unit that goes on? That yeah, right. Still, he's still himself. Because which is always which is interesting because he he's totally aware that he's a clone in the stages that we see him interacting with Cameron and getting these memories and all that kind of stuff. But they have a process or a part of the process that can allow them to just wipe the part of his memory that right. would remember that he's a clone and everything else. From would that stay. point forward, he is it's Cameron. good. They're very good with that, like yeah. just scrubbing that one little part of the brain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not important. It's like no, I, I mean, I, I'm totally but, fine with that conceit, but it is yeah. funny when you start thinking about it, like, well, could they be that precise? Yeah, I, I, I I never, I never once even stopped to think about it. I was yeah. Like, All right, let's go. Yeah. Um, but it's, could it also be seen as like, um, 
I don't know, like a metaphor for like technology replacing humanity in some way. Sure, absolutely. You know, like, because yeah. uh, this thing replaces him. And, yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of. And is know. that really a problem? I mean, if that yeah. if that thing replacing him, and we don't want to call it a human, if it's a you know cloned human or whatever, if it's a well, piece of technology, it, no, we probably do. But I'm just we, saying, if we're, the, 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 there's a, a an artificial technology that created it, but it yeah. is not artificial. But if we're taking the, the that sort of metaphor of like, is this technology replacing all of us in every way? Like in this one instance, if the technology is allowing for this person to be replaced, and everybody else is their lives are made better because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Is that really, a, you know, an evil? I mean, it, I think a lot of people would argue, I mean, by the end of this film, I kind of feel like he's made the right decision. That, a lot of really interesting That he's kind of forced into. <laughs> to. Kind of forced into. Well, yeah. and, and so that's, and that was another that red herring. the twist, perhaps. What? Well, when he does. When he's well, he trying to go, to go back, back for the short visit. He gets to go back visit, to say yeah. his quote unquote goodbye, but yeah. has a seizure in front of the house. The jig is going to be up if he yeah. is if his discovered sees, on the yeah. front lawn. So yeah. they retrieve him and send the clone in without right. that goodbye. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, another red herring that I kind of saw was that, um, and maybe it's not an intentional one and maybe it's just me taking my, you know, almost 30 years of movie watching and patterns that you see in these narratives into it. But the way that Glenn Close's character, who's the head of the clinic, I don't think we mentioned Mm -hmm. her by the actress name, um, but the way she's hounding him about this process made it seem like she had nefarious intentions or... Cause, well, cause you, she's, you can imagine I mean, if this is a. I hear where you're coming from, and I was thinking about that a little bit. I'm like, why is she pushing so hard? At so because that's a. I mean, but, that's such a but huge then thing you to think push about, someone into. Think about the investment that's gone on to the, gone into this For project. Sure. They don't talk about that, but you have to imagine there is that one conversation with um, you know something we haven't talked about is that um, Naomi Harris Poppy her character had a twin who died early. And there's yeah. a part where they're having a conversation before his death yeah. where it's very overt. They're talking about that there are whispers of this. Oh, they're going to be able to clone people and you could replace. And oh, if I if somebody could be replaced, absolutely, if, I would want if, them to do that. If my mom, mom could be here right. right now but didn't like Yacht Rock, exactly. I'd be happy about it. <laughs> that was the joke uh, that they that was made. The joke. And yeah, also the, like, the hardest pressure I think that he gets yeah. or the part that seemed the most ominous to me was before we find out that he's only the third. Right. And so that was another reason why I felt that was odd. Once that's revealed, yeah. I can kind of go well, with I hear you. So the character's motivation more. But I, I think they fill in just enough to let you know, oh, this is like something that's been going on for the last decade or so yeah. in the background, probably billions and billions of trillions of dollars poured into it. So you got to imagine these first few cases that they're doing, they're going to want to make sure everything goes exactly right. And there's a lot of pressure on, and they never get into it, but you can imagine maybe there's something about him that makes him easier to clone than other people or, you know, whether it be like they can do the genetic testing and they're like, Oh yes, we can remove this. He's a good candidate. Yeah. Yeah. There's another element to it. They say, you know, when you, on death's door and your life flashes before your eyes. And if I think about my life, life flashing before my eyes, there's going to be the birth of my kids and the, 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 when I met my partner, the way that we met cute and, and the various cage match episodes we've done here on the, yeah, sure. Uh, having to separate you two when you all talk to, <laughs> when you talk poorly of the matrix, it's, um, 
I'll burn this place to the ground. That is that internal conflict of his. Yeah. It's 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 presented as these key memories being implanted into the clone, but really it's the original mm-hmm. thinking back at the life that I have lived and all of those moments that I don't want to let go of. I don't want to say goodbye to. I'm almost jealous of this clone who gets to continue and watch my son grow and watch our new baby be born. And there's a a lot of fantastic human element, soft and quiet presentation that I really, really enjoyed about this movie. So I agree. I I like this movie. I think I think the tone is really good. And I didn't really expect to like this movie. I just want to say. (sighs) Yeah, I didn't know. I I had not read much about it, but I knew that his performance was getting praised. So there's I was not kind much of about it to read. Yeah, it, it's it it, there's not a lot. Very being quiet said. release. But um, you know, if I have a couple small criticisms, it's that I feel like some of that, and and I think it's because they're trying to nail that tone. There is a little bit of a drag to it in terms of the pacing. I I'm not saying I ever like took myself out of it as I was watching it that much. But it definitely felt like a thing that this is a deliberately paced film. I would not recommend this for everybody who I talk about, even sci-fi fans. Like, you know, this is not a sci-fi action film. This is one of those deep thinking sci-fi. It is an extended uh, Black Mirror episode with a happier ending (laughs) than most Black Mirror episodes would give you. Um, So I think going into it, knowing that... um, might have been good, but you know, as it was, it worked for me pretty well. Um, I also think that you know, wh- when it comes to what they're able to achieve with sort of the the minimum of of dialogue in certain cases, I think a lot through the editing and the and the way that they use flashbacks throughout it, th- this to me is indicative of a filmmaker who's really um, pretty comfortable with complicated approaches to storytelling. I never felt lost. Let me let me say that. Like as much as this uses flashbacks and it is kind of not always signaling to you exactly when that's going to happen, it was pretty easy for me to navigate where the character was in time and why I was seeing what I was seeing. Yeah, and yeah, cuz it goes from him first meeting Poppy to them like being married pretty abruptly, yeah. but not that abruptly. You kind of knew what was happening sure and and i think and once flashing you, back to them a couple of times too yeah and once you realize that part of the film is going to be oh he's got to get these memories to this other thing it makes sense yeah. that we're constantly seeing these memories because the process he's going through is transferring these memories it's trying to get this yeah I mean, I also feel like there's like these glimpses of interesting like meditations on personal identity and like what makes a person a person you know mm-hmm. that's like a if you ask anybody like what makes you you Mm -hmm. it's hard to say exactly because your body can change you can gain weight you can lose weight you can lose an appendage you can get your nose redone you can do all of these things to change your physical and physiological makeup so that can't be it but also like what do you how much do you really know about how your consciousness works and yeah like how do you account for change over time in the way that you think about things mm-hmm. and like certainly the way experiences that you I experiences have had in the you past. have in like how so what is it that makes you you yeah you know right 
and, 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 and so the, I mean that's something that I that's something I really felt when they're like going at each other and like about to fight I was like oh this is so interesting that that was like, a particularly charged scene and that's one I think that rightly so gets a lot of attention the, the little little attention that I've seen paid to this film has often been about that scene in particular where you know you have him acting against himself essentially and it's done really well it doesn't feel like a stunt sometimes it can feel like oh we're giving you these two characters together who are played by the same performer and you know like an eddie murphy movie (laughs) but it does not come off that way at all it comes off i feel like norbit is right up there with this film yeah i mean (laughs) the only thing i think that could have made this film a little bit better is if roddy piper had shown up and had glasses on and he could differentiate oh yeah between the clones the freckle just gets real big (laughs) (laughs) and then him and keith david fight yeah forever Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I that I don't that see scene, myself watching this movie really ever again. I enjoyed the experience for what it was. I'm not going to go back to this like I might with Moonlight or, you know. I could. I, I, I don't see. know. If I, I haven't watched rewatched Moonlight many times. I I, I, I love think, Moonlight. I I, do, I think I, I think this one might get a rewatch out of me just because of my fondness for that particular scenery. Yeah, like there is n- the like nature presented in this film is like a wet dream for me like that's my idea yeah, may- maybe scenario. that maybe that's it this is like a not exactly a party movie but like uh i'm cooking and i want to feel like i'm in a hyper modern house that uh <laughs> has all these like nice so i'll put this on in the background and so anytime i'm tra- i'll just look over oh yeah i have a house that nice yeah. <laughs> that's where i am right now i could walk outside and there would be 50 foot tall trees surrounding right. me and there's a very glassy lake right Pristine. there that might have a very small, possibly dead child at the bottom of it that leaps up into my canoe and grabs me. <laughs> that's that's what we're really waiting for is the swan song crossover into Friday the, uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, LeBron yeah. James is working on it. If I know anything about LeBron James, it's that he's working on it. <laughs> His production company owns the rights to Friday the 13th. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Okay. There, years ago, there was... I feel like we had, I felt like we had you probably have and then I just like go uh, <laughs> yeah there was like all this talk about a LeBron James is gonna and his produce studio are gonna bring back and produce Friday the 13th and nothing's coming and I, thank god yeah. I don't know what I would do about well, that my favorite franchise and my least favorite anyway so yeah I, but I hopefully we don't leave listeners with too much because we all like this film yeah right we're just saying it's I, maybe I, I not recommend this film it's to not the film audience. that you're gonna like hook into though it will be I think th- where, where I could see this growing in my esteem over the years might be if Cleary Benjamin Cleary the filmmaker writer director here goes on to do other great Certainly. stuff which I think he's showing some great signs in this film if his films keep coming and they're great it may be one that I want to revisit in a few years where I'm like, right. ooh, let's see that film where he started. And yeah. Think about, yeah. Yeah, and like sp- speaking to like the comparison that we made at the top of the segment, was Annihilation the last Alex Garland movie? I think so. At Jeez. least as of now, I haven't looked into what he's was, been what, working five, on. That was what, four years ago? Four. Because it was ep- the, one of the first one. episodes we did, yeah. yeah. Or y'all did. That wasn't Yeah. Writer. But... Uh, Coming up on four years, guys. And coming up next time on 400 beers. 400 beers. beers. Uh, our 12th brewery. We do not have a problem. Our 12th brewery into the Five Timers Club with um, 11 on deck with one more beer each. They'll join the Five Timers Club. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of time, Five Timer Beers, Untitled Art, welcome. Untitled Art, you, you, you can come see us anytime you want. Five times is definitely still the charm. 
from Send my us a care package from from my standpoint because this blackberry cobbler a la mode is hitting all the right notes it's i mean really this is good. literally dessert in a glass and boy am i enjoying it yeah, this is the reason why you don't drink beer out of a can. You gotta get your nose in the glass while you're taking a sip of this thing. Because that is color, a, it is an overall sensical bliss. Yeah. Um, I want. I do want to talk about the idea that they say that there's pie crust in it. <laughs> um, they're trying to duplicate that blueberry cobbler taste, right? Fully. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a lot of grain, or I, I guess that's just going to be like an additional sugar, maybe. Um, but yeah. I, I still complain. But that, I think the cinnamon is there to like help that along a little bit, maybe. Yeah. That I think if I had a criticism of it, is that the a la mode implies some kind of ice cream yeah. situation, and I guess maybe the, the body lactose, is is giving. Do they us not a put lactose in? This? I don't think so. Okay, because um, it's well, pretty. It's a Vice. It's pretty silky. It's, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's got a thick. Definitely body. got body to it. I kind of thought there might be lactose in it, and I guess I hadn't read the can too closely. It does not say lactose. It just says the black beer, uh, blackberry puree, pie crust, and cinnamon. That's You're all it right. says. So, You're right. uh, I mean, I don't know. It. I don't know if throwing vanilla beans in here is going to do anything positive for this beer. I. Despite the fact that I think that maybe if you're going to call it a la mode, maybe there should be a little more of... But again, maybe that's where the body is. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I do not want to change anything about this beer. Yeah. Because I think it's fucking great. And it, I'm, I'm afraid that if I try to add or subtract anything from it, that I would fuck it up and it wouldn't be as good as it is now. But that but it does beg the question, why do you have to call it a la mode? You don't, yes. right? You could just call it blackberry cobbler and we would be just as happy with this beer and not at all uh upset. So the, you know, the little little note untitled art like if you're going to call it a la mode, let, let us know why. Bring you know? the a la mode, bros. Yeah. Bring the a la mode. But yeah, it's it brat. It is brat. very good. Uh <laughs> Had had a great time drinking this. Had a great time talking films. Yeah, yeah, a couple of new guys. ones. Couple new ones. It's that time of year where we're doing a bunch of new ones. And next week we're doing one that we've talked about for months. We're yes. finally getting around to seeing and talking with you, our good friends, Titan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're gonna pair that with a movie that will make sense to you when you hear about that. And our four. Hundredth, four hundred beer. beer. If, I mean, if there was a movie to pair it with, Titan. We'll find out. I mean, they, I, well, I have high hopes, but I haven't seen it yet. That's true. I, I haven't either. I'm just thinking, like, we well, we know it won the Cannes Film Festival. High expectation, seemingly powerhouse kind of film. Yeah, crazy ride of a movie for the to commemorate our four hundredth beer. Um, but you know that we love talking beer and movies amongst one another, but we also love talking about those things with you. And that's the great thing about this podcast is that the conversation does not stop when the episode ends. It continues on all of your favorite social media platforms. And of course, you know exactly where to find us. That's on Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX beer and a movie podcast.com has, uh, 
yeah, there's a link. You can look at all of our past episodes, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It also has this great beer map where you can find the kind of stats that we talk about on the show about how many times we've had a brewery, what breweries we've tried, and what states. Um, are 399 you, dots on that map, 399 Carlos. dots in all 50 states, 12 different countries. And, you know, if, you, if you're wondering, if you're kind of newer to the show and have missed 150 episodes, if we ever did a beer from your town, one of your favorite local breweries, you can go to that map and you can find that answer. And if we have not hit your favorite brewery, you can send us some beer from them. Mm-hmm. Which I highly recommend you do. Uh, Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast where you can financially support the show uh, to help us keep making the best content that we possibly can. But you're not just throwing money at us. You're not, which, you know, you can if you want, by all means. But you're also getting something out of it because we give you a bonus episode every single week. Yes, we talk about beer. Yes, we talk about movies. We talk about a great many other things like TV shows that we're watching, records that we're listening to, general things that are going on in our particular sphere down here in South Texas. So for only $5 a month, extra episode every single week. What a bargain. And uh, also, beerandmoviepodcast.com, there's some merch coming mm. uh, that you will most likely be able to find some kind of link to there. Uh, it's happening very soon. Stay tuned for that. We're not quite ready to give an exact launch date, but just know that it is brewing On the and horizon. the time is nigh. 2022 is the, it only took us four years. Uh, <laughs> we had to be sure. We finally got, we finally <laughs> we get got to the, 400 beers. Yes. <laughs> that was always the, that's the give plan from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's always planned to do 10 movies. We decided <laughs> that we had to do 400 beers before we felt ourselves yeah. uh, qualified to make merch. Of course, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us uh, to put the show in front of more beer lovers and movie lovers, all that kind of stuff. What another um, meditative uh, episode of Beer in a Movie, transfixing, uh, visually compelling episode of Beer in a Movie in an audio format that has no visuals whatsoever. Until next time! When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. (laughs) 